Talking Good Company. Honest and transparent conversations between two good mates on an entrepreneurial journey together. Join Lisa Cordoff and myself, Carly Nimmo, while we explore what it means to create, grow and keep good company. Life and business is better when you're keeping good company. Let's play Get to Know Carly. Yeah, so I'm Carly Nimmo, co-host of this amazing podcast with my business bestie, Lisa Corduff, and you might not know anything about me, or you might know everything about me if you listen to Carlosophies, but Lisa and I thought it would be a really good idea to give you an insight into who we are as individuals, a bit about our background individually, because we are two separate human beings and we have very different approaches to life and business, as I'm sure you will become very well acquainted with in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years. Who is Carly Nemo? That's a good question. I guess I'm kind of still figuring this out. I am a lemonade stand kid. I was the kid who would be selling toys on the front yard, who would be roping in her cousins to draw postcards and sell them door to door, picking lemons and selling them. Uh, And always for charity. It was never, uh, you know, for me, I would raise money for the Royal Children's Hospital and always had a greater sense of purpose when I was giving. And so I guess that That kind of stopped when I got to high school because, you know, in primary school, I was a bit of a dork. I started a school newspaper. I used to get out of class to take dance classes, convince the teachers that I needed to teach prep people dance. Uh, You know, I I was a dork. I would host singing circles or like songwriting circles or record my own radio show. I was just a kid who was doing a lot of fun stuff and had very little, uh, gave zero fucks, I guess. (laughs) And then I hit high school and everything kind of changed from there. I realized very quickly that I needed to be a bit of a chameleon here and that me being dorky Carl's wasn't going to really cut it. I needed to be a little more incognito. So I did that. I kind of, I mean, I, I did it. I I treaded a fine line. So I looked at what was cool and what wasn't and I kind of played it in the middle there. And I guess I continued on that journey until about the time I turned 30. I never felt home anywhere. I was always moving somewhere, changing jobs. Um, just, I don't know. I, I went I went through a whole bunch of abusive relationships or not healthy relationships. One was abusive, the others were just not very healthy. And I just was a bit lost. Did lots of partying, drank lots of beer, took a few drugs, had a lot of fun, but felt empty inside a bit. Just not at home, you know. So uh, in around 2009, this all kind of came to a head and I'd moved to a small coastal town just south of Coffs Harbour, 
where I knew no one except my husband, worked from home, had no friends and felt extremely isolated and lonely and really didn't like myself very much. So I fell into a depression and started suffering from pretty hardcore anxiety, which was great because it meant that I couldn't meet anyone. I just was unable to uh, form connections because I was so anxious and also really suppressed emotionally. So I went on this journey of figuring out who the fuck I was, coming back to me, and it took me to all kinds of crazy places. Uh, I remember being on a table, having a crystal healing with a woman burping the entire time. Um, I had another healer cry on me and tried lots of different things, got my woo on, I guess. I, I tried angel healing. I became a Reiki practitioner. I, uh, you know, I did yoga. Not that that's really woo, but, you know, I tried all kinds of alternative healings to help me get better. And I started exercising and looking after myself a bit better. And and that worked. It, it's been a long journey and I've taken a few detours over the time. I've fallen back into a couple of depressions since then. But the last, I guess, eight to ten years has been me figuring out who I am. In that time, I've done lots of different things. So I should rewind a little bit back before I fell into the depression in 2004, 2005, I finally went out on my own and started Killer Copy, which was my voiceover agency. I'd been working in radio for a couple of years, really was never a good employee. Uh, I, I just didn't, I just never felt recognized or acknowledged and a bit of a theme through my life, just being honest. Uh, and 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 i and i got paid atrociously and treated hideously and so i decided to leave and start my own voiceover agency because i figured surely i can make $440 which is what i was making a week then uh doing something else so i bought a microphone i put myself out there as a copywriter and i got two copywriting jobs for both for brothel on hold systems and that side of the business never really took off, but the voiceover stuff did. And eventually it kind of transformed into a agency and I have about 20 different talent all over the world, mostly Australian and New Zealanders, who, yeah, who I outsource work to or who I, who do contract work for me. And I have an editor. That was a big leap in itself in 2009 while all this stuff was going on I was also working 14 15 hour days and really hating I just bought myself a big old fat ugly job that I didn't enjoy and a friend of mine who was a business coach come to stay with me and she said what are you doing like outsource that stuff and it never really occurred to me that I could find someone to edit which was taking up the bulk of my time so I could focus on other stuff and so I did that and it was great, but it left up, it freed up my time so much that I became almost bored and started really needing to find some meaning and purpose in my life. So all of this kind of came to a head at the same time, found someone to outsource the editing to, relieved a lot of pressure and was like, now what? The depression and the anxiety, you know, what I figured out was that part of me getting better was me finding some meaning and purpose in my life, figuring out who I was. 
So in about 2010, I started a online magazine kind of thing called Think Beautiful. And that was going to be a TV show, but it turned into a website. Uh, I I it, it went well for about the first year or so and the wheels started to fall off because I didn't really have any way of monetizing it. It felt like a whole lot of work to give other people exposure, but there was nothing really coming back to me. And so I just kind of got burnt out of that idea. But I, I was still playing around because I knew there was something there. So I started running vision board workshops and values workshops. And I, I kind of like it was really nerve nerve wracking because I had to speak in front of people and present stuff, but I did love it when I was in it. So I started running them. They were going quite well, but there was something in my head telling me that it wasn't enough. So I would have a workshop. Some of them I would have 15 to 20 people and I just felt like they were all just friends doing me a favor. And I, I don't know, I just lost interest in it because I didn't take time to celebrate that it was actually really cool and let it go. And around that time, I went on a retreat to Bali. Um, actually, that's a forward a few years, 2000, 2012, I think it was the beginning of 2012. And it was I was still really trying to figure out what is my purpose? What am I here for? What am I doing? And so I sat down at this retreat in Bali and jotted out, you know, figured out a bit more. I, I'm really about community. Connection is really important to me. And I came home and just had this idea about people working together in a shared office because I was still working for myself. I was supremely lonely and isolated and increasingly realizing that I didn't really have any like-minded friends who got what I was going through. They were employed by someone or um, stay-at-home mums and there was just not, you know, it's, it's different when you work for yourself. The challenges are different and it's nice to be able to have someone to bounce shit off and I just had no one. So I had this I had this vision of myself working alongside other people, but I just didn't know what that vision was. And then one day this idea came to me that it was a shared office. I had never heard of co-working at the time. It was a really new concept in Australia, uh, but but I just loved it. And so I, like a bullet a gate, the words the office collective came through to me and I just went hell for leather to get this thing open. And I did within like six weeks of having the idea, the doors were open. And then I realized, oh shit, I've built this thing. And like, where are the people? Build it and they will come, right? But there was no one. And what ensued was around 12 months of soul crushing failure. Nobody came. I threw so much shit at the wall trying to get this place off the ground. I think I had about six members in the end and they started to drop off. So I I was paying about six grand a month to keep the doors open out of my own money. And by 12 months, I had cried every day for six months straight. And it just, and I, at the same time, my husband who was working on the roads, 
it, it rained for six months. It was one of those weird El Nino or La Nina events where it rains and rains and rains and rains. So he wasn't working. So all of the money that I was making was needing to pay for our house um, or for our for the rent on our house, the $6,000 a month to keep the doors of my office collective open. And I had a house down in Nambucca Heads that we had bought that was now worth less than when we'd bought it. And so it was like this, felt like a noose around my neck. And I just felt financially I was just being strangled and I could see no way out of it. Commercial leases are, you know, they're for life. You cannot get out of them short of bankruptcy or death. And even then I think they're handed down to the family as a, you know, legacy. So I just couldn't see any way out of it. And on this particular day, the tax office rang me and demanded that I pay them the 16 grand that I owed them. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent. I didn't know how I was going to uh, put food on the table that week. I I just could not see any way out. And I was totally and utterly beside myself. This is the lowest point of my life. And I considered taking my own life in that moment. And thankfully, shortly after, like actually the very moment I hung up the phone, I had a call with a friend of mine who was studying to be a life coach and she wanted to, she'd offered me a few sessions and I was really in need of some help. So I gratefully received (laughs) and she jumped on the call with me and she showed me this above and below the line image, asked me where I was on the line. So if you haven't seen above and below the line, above the line is love, below the line is fear, uh, above the line is abundance, below the line is lack, above the line would be hero, below the line victim, above the line um, responsibility, below the line lack. And I just looked at this image and thought to myself, holy shit, I'm like below, below the line. I'm not even close to the line. Uh, Okay. And what I could see in that moment was that that the line was choice and I had some level of choice. So I went back to my office. I was at home at the time. I'd come home because I just couldn't deal with being alone in that place for one more minute. So I went back to the office, got some chalk. On one whole wall of my office, I drew this diagram of above and below the line and I looked at it and I thought, hmm, how can I bring myself back above the line? Where is the most pain? And it was financial. So I was like, okay, what could I do to make myself feel more abundant? Well, I feel like there's no money coming in, but I'm sure there must be because I'm managing to pay all these bills. So I just started tracking all the money coming in. And from there, things just started to roll. There was one point where I had a big, long walk on the beach, which is something that I do regularly, and I was crying. And I was just like, okay, universe, you know what? I get it. I have a choice here. And I will make the decision to close the office, but I need you to meet me halfway. I need you to you know, show me a way to get out of this with my sanity intact. And I got home and there was an email from a guy who had done a strategy session at my office and he wanted to sublet the space, 
which was perfect. So that sent me on another trajectory. I closed the office. Um, I've actually just finished paying back the last of the debt attached to that in the last couple of months, which has really freed me up. And energetically, I feel like I'm really closed the chapter on that where it was really raw for a very long time. And I really defined its failure, you know, as me being a failure for a long time. But it set me on another trajectory. So I fell pregnant the weekend that we found someone to sublet, which was really a a big surprise. And from there, had a really shit pregnancy, loved the fact that I was pregnant. Uh, and, And, you know, it was just such a lovely surprise to me. But what I wasn't prepared for was the first year of her life, which was so, so incredibly hard for me. Uh, Mabel didn't sleep for more than 45 minutes. And after a year of that, I was broken. You know, I was really broken. I couldn't connect with people. I just felt really exhausted. And eventually she started sleeping through the night. But before she did, I started this next business, the next iteration, which was called Own Your Awesome. And it was, I wasn't really sure where I was going with it, but it was really, you know, I wanted to get back into running workshops. I'd always wanted to run retreats. And so, and I'd wanted to run a mastermind. I'd run a few free ones when I had the Office Collective and I wanted to kind of take it to the next level. So this stage of my life was really throwing a lot of shit at the walls and just constantly being rejected, which hurt And it just reminded me constantly of the pain that I've just come through with the Office Collective. It was all about me. I wasn't good enough. Nobody could see me. You know, nobody, I don't know, nobody saw what I saw in me. There was just a lot of resentment, a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache and a lot of rejection. Business was really, really personal. And it continued that way. I continued to throw shit at walls. I continued to be rejected. I continued to go on this story about me being really mediocre. And then one day it all kind of came to a head. There was a six-month period where I just went to my bank and every time time I'd go to do my banking, there would be zero dollars in there or close enough to. And I'd never been in this kind of position before since the office collective. I mean, I was there because I was all the money was going out, but I'd never found myself in this position of cash flow crisis like this. It was like next level. And it was usually what would happen would be I would experience it for a month and then I would get my shit sorted and we'd be good for until the next quarter and then we'd have like a little bit of a thing while I tried to find money for the tax office and then, you know. So so I was kind of used to it, but this was like six months continuously and it got really tiring and I got really exhausted by it and I just didn't know what the fuck to do. So I decided uh, one day back on the beach that I was going to quit. I was going to throw in the towel. I tried so much. I couldn't take any more rejection. I was just over it. So one thing I forgot to mention was during that whole phase, I started Radcaster's podcasting school Um, because I, after going through all that fear and failure and rejection and all that kind of jazz, I really wanted to explore the 
the dark side of business, but you know, the stories behind success because we're so we're so sold all this stuff, you know, like laptop lifestyle and fucking you know, the the formulas to success and and the, and they're they're people who have something to sell you. They they're selling you that idea and how to get that idea assuming that your life as it is isn't good enough and it just i just i just wanted to know that i wasn't alone so i started carlosophies well it was called own your awesome and i ran into some trademarking issues around own your awesome which were ugly and gross and i decided to move away from own your awesome even though legally i didn't have to um, but i just didn't want energetically anything to do with it. So I went back to a blog that I'd started back in 2009 called Carlosophies. And Carlosophies was like an instant smash hit. It went to number one in iTunes in business. And, you know, it, it's been in the top 100 pretty much ever since. And, it, and it's been a really interesting journey. <laughs> My podcast has really taught me that that I can be consistent, which was a story that I had going around for a very long time. And uh, and the value of being of service, you know, of showing up not just for you but for the people who need to hear from you. So when Carlosophy started, it, you know, had this huge success and it kind of was – I didn't celebrate it as much as I should have, you know. I I just was like, oh, yeah, number one in iTunes, that's not going to last. And and anyway, so started Carlosophies, had some really good success. People started asking me, how do I start a podcast? How do I start a podcast? So I put together Radcasters because, I mean, hello, I have worked in radio. I have run a voiceover agency for the last 12, 13 years. I know all about audio. I studied sound at uni along with other things, film, TV, photography. And and I just started a quite successful podcast. So I put together Radcasters and it kind of went off at the start. So I think I had about 15 people sign up for the first round, which was which I was really happy with because I didn't have an email list. Um, and and it continued on quite well. I had about 100 people do it in the first year or so, but then things started to change and it started to slow down and I just started to panic and I started throwing more shit at the walls, webinars, funnels, this, tweaking, 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 getting more and more desperate and the more desperate I became, the more people didn't want anything from me and it just i just totally lost sight of why i was doing it and what i was doing you know and and so this all came to a head in that last 6 months of cash flow issues i kept on uh you know spending a couple of grand on facebook ads into a webinar and then doing my pitch and fucking it up live and then nobody buying and it was like i needed that money to be able to pay myself and pay the bloody tax office. And so it just it just was a cycle like that. And the more desperate I became, the more people didn't want to know about me. And it was just horrible. And so back to walking on the beach that day, I'd really decided that was it. I was ready to walk away. 
I could get a job at Woolies because at that point I'd be making more money than you know I was. Well, I, I was still paying myself, but that was about the extent of it. The bills were rising. I have a pay yourself first philosophy. So I was still paying myself, but nobody else was getting paid. And that made me feel like shit. And I fucking hated it. Um, and so I just thought, you know what, I'll just go and get a job and, and this will all go away. And so I walked on the beach and I said, you know what, universe, I have given everything to this. I have been podcasting week in, week out for the last few years. I have shown up consistently and, you know, I was trying to write a book at the time and it wasn't happening because I just, you know, it was frivolous activity when there was money I had to be making. And so I just thought, you know what, I'll just drop everything, go and get a job, and then I'll use my spare time to do the stuff that I love, the podcasting and the writing. And so I walked on the beach and I said to the universe, that's it, like, I'm done. If you want me to continue on this path, give me one hell of a fucking sign. And so I came home and there was an email from Nova Entertainment who were running a podcast competition and I had been named one of the top 10 finalists, which was like, wow, amazing. And next email was from Constance Hall um, wanting me to do some writing for her site. So it was just the, the... the validation I needed, I just needed to know I was on the right path. And and that kind of shifted everything for me. Shortly after that, Lisa and I started our mastermind and filled it within like a week. We'd gone from idea to full. So that was amazing and helped with my cash flow issues. And it just freed me up. So now I am on this path of really speaking uh, writing, and that's about it. And obviously showing up in my mastermind. I love that. That has been the the highlight of this year, has been taking these women, going on retreats, giving them big breakthroughs, watching them grow and develop. It's like the best thing ever. And doing it with my best mate next to me as a collaboration doing things in good company. I mean, it's what it's all about. And so, you know, things have turned around for me in the last year in a big way. This time last year, I was feeling sick. I think I'd just come out of another launch where I had zero signups and it was soul destroying. And now I just feel like I'm in a different place. You know, I'm my creativity is flowing. I'm doing work with meaning. I feel like I finally kind of figured out my purpose and it's not as complicated as I thought it was. It really is writing and speaking. And sometimes we just overcomplicate things, right? Like it can't just be that. I have to have something to sell. And it's like, you'll figure it out. Just just show up in those areas that you love and the rest will fall into place if you're open to it. So that's my story. And like I said, it's a big one, but it's really just the beginning. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know you a lot better and sharing more of this crazy roller coaster ride because it isn't, it, it isn't, it isn't a linear journey. This is 
ups and downs and some days you want to walk away from it all and you wonder what is the fucking point and some days you feel so alive and so vibrant and so full of, uh, you know, life. You're in flow, it's all great and then the next moment crash and burn another winter season approaches and and uh, and so it is a wild journey but I guess the point of this whole thing is when we do it together it's better when you do it in good company it makes life a whole lot better when you have people that you can go to for support because without Lisa in this journey uh, I don't know that I'd be here today you know, she wasn't there during the office collective stuff, but she was there from when Mabel was born. She's been there for that whole last three and a half years, which have been crazy. They have been both of us throwing shit at walls, both of us living in a, in our own versions of chaos and coming back to each other, you know, coming back to Having, having a, a center in the storm is so important. So I hope that we can be a little bit of a center in the storm for you and that you can feel seen and heard um, as, as we travel on our own journeys together. Thanks for sticking around. See you next Monday. Remember to subscribe and keep good company. Bye.